This podcast contains adults using adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Somebody better call my mama and put her on a forklift. It's the finger poke of Doomcast. Joe, I thought I was going to get at least a giggle out of you. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> She's saying it sucked. No, no, no. So <laughs> I was just kind of pausing because I'm sitting there going, now is that Ernest the Cat Miller or is that Brodus Clay? <laughs> well... I guess that sort of was, that reference was sort of all over the place, wasn't it? I mean, you got the Judy Bagwell uh, on a on a forklift match. Oh yeah. But anyway, anyway, uh, but yeah, episode one rec- uh, recorded on April 29th, twenty twenty one. Sometime two thousand at, at, <laughs> at some, some point, point in existence. Hopefully twenty twenty one. Actually, this is still March of twenty twenty. We just don't know it yet. We've. Uh, <laughs> Jeez, this is this fucking pandemic. All right. Um, and apparently we're going to be explicit. I mean, I, I do have a censor thing if, if we want to try to be clean, but I really don't care. To be Whatever. Uh, I'll, I'll, tone, <laughs> I'll try and tone it down. Uh, but yeah, so recorded on April 29th of 2021, even though it still feels like April of 2020. And of course, because we have to talk about it on this day in 2007 in wrestling history, WWE chairman Vince McMahon shockingly won the ECW World Championship from Bobby Lashley at Backlash in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm, I'm sure that's uh, you know everyone's favorite ECW champion right there is Vince McMahon. Oh, righty. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I mean, if we're gonna look back, it, okay. So that's not really what we're gonna be planning and talking about <laughs> for a lot today, but. But if you're going to talk about ECW, WWE, ECW champions, I mean, I mean, Big Show was kind of a. There was a lot of meth EC or WWE, ECW champions. Yeah, that's not that is not a knock on uh, on on the Big Show. No, uh, I like the Big Show. It's just. It was a mess. No, ECW under the WWE realm was largely a mess. And that's such a shame, too, because there was so much passion behind it. We don't have to talk about this too long, but, like, I don't know if you... That's, s- this, that's a whole nother episode. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but, like, there was a, a video on the WWE Network of, like, Shane McMahon basically talking about how he really did want to bring, like, ECW back in its glory, the way that it was intended. And WWE oh, yeah. politics just was like, nope, <laughs> we got sponsors, kid. <laughs> we got to keep those. But I feel I feel NXT kind of went the same way. Sure. It just went over better. Yeah. Because it was its own thing. It didn't it didn't have such expectation either. Well, that's, I think that was one of the things that NXT had going for it that ECW didn't. There wasn't sort of a foundation to have to play off of. I mean, NXT had their little, like, reality right, the, game show type thing, but... Well, that was a hack. But, I mean, but I mean, you really built off of FCW. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's it just... Yeah, and then it grew into its own thing. It, yeah, exactly. It just, it had a better opportunity to grow than the ECW did. I think we were never going to get the ECW that people wanted. It just wasn't going to happen. Never. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. As we segue... Um, so anyway, if you have not heard one of our uh, lovely voices on a podcast before, my name is Scott. 
we we haven't even introduced ourselves, by the way, Joe. <laughs> no, no, we haven't. We were, I was about ready to bring it back around. I am shaking off at least five, about five years or so of podcast rust. Uh, I'm still running the ropes here. Uh, if you don't remember me, I am Joe. I did a podcast. At one point, it was called the FTW Podcast. It was the FTPW Podcast. About the time it folded, where we analyzed wrestling, the wrestling world, in all of its laughable glory. Week in, week out, I dare guarantee think that thing went on for eight years oh god yeah it went I, actually no years. i would say i would now that i think about it, almost 10 because i did it for at least five or six years before my son was born and that's about when i bailed a year about a year in after my son was born then i i, I had to step down and the guys continued it on i went through three different podcasts while you guys were still doing fdw so yeah, you guys were doing that yeah. for a long time. And while it was a it was a blast to do, even when it sucked, it was a blast to do. You know, you get in, you sit down, you've had to try and watch like eight hours of wrestling a week, eight to ten hours. God forbid there was a pay-per-view mm-hmm. or two to deal with. Oh, man. And you sit down and you're like, oh, screw this. I don't want to even think about wrestling. By the end, I am laughing. I'm having the best time because I'm talking about it. Something that is actually a great passion with some of my best friends. And Scott, you you were you were one of those people. I mean, in that you you weren't periodically on the podcast. You you've always been one of my great friends. Sure. So I'm always so, and that's one of the many reasons why I'm we're we're sitting down today. Oh, well, yeah. This is what this would be the first time that we we're actually doing a show together. I mean, I know that we you know I I guest hosted on a few FTW shows, but like, you know, we, we never actually got a chance to do a podcast together. So this will be kind of fun. We've been friends forever. I mean, I, God, I mean, I, I would say it's close to 20 years. Yeah. And it's funny too, because we're about to talk about the 2001 Royal Rumble. And I think it was around 2001 that like we, we met through like e-feds and just, yes. just chatting that way. And it's like, wow, man, time flies. It really does. And it's always great when I occasionally pull up some of those documents in my Google Docs and look and go, oh, dear God. But loving every moment (laughs) of it. Just to go back, you brought up the fact that Vince McMahon won the ECW championship many Mm -hmm. years ago. 22 years ago today, as of of the recording of the show, April 29th, 1999, was my return to watching WWF programming. Wow. When I was a kid, I watched it, loved it, but at a certain point in my area, in the Metro Detroit area, it dried up. Like, it went to cable, and I never had cable. So sure. when you, the UPN network, uh, did they merge with, did UPN merge with WB? No, uh, okay, I think UPN w- was in separate things. WB became uh, what UPN was. Uh, okay, what, either, what either yeah. way. Either way, when when it came back to net, when WWF came back to network television, I watched that first episode and called a friend who had who I knew had been watching wrestling on cable, and I'm like, "All right, it's time to reindoctrinate me into into it because I just watched them. Uh, apparently, they formed the the corporate ministry, and he's just like, <laughs> "Wait, they did what? What?" And he was shocked as shit. So I'm like, well, <laughs> apparently I'm uh, spoilers for him. And uh, 
And I've been watching ever since. We, you know, monthly pay-per-views at friends' houses and on and on and on. Back in the days so, of large stables. <sighs> Real what a large. Nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> but some were good, some were good, some were not, you know, I'm sorry. The the, the rest, pro wrestling at that point was an entirely different beast than it is today. And I Oh, sure. And after sitting down and watching what we're the show we're talking about today, the 2001 Royal Rumble, I mean, looking back at that and looking at what was there and how the production value and everything and the fans, I used to moan and complain, you know, B word, all about the, you know, how people can't move on from the Attitude Era. Watching this again, I went, damn, I get it again. I yeah. get why people can't let it go. I understand the problems of today and why why them not letting it go is a thing. Regardless, it is the two. We are talking about the two thousand and one Royal Rumble. Should I introduce myself? Oh, did, I thought you did. No, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're. See, I'm out of it. I am entirely out of it. I am not used to this podcasting. I, crap I don't. Anymore. I don't even know if I want to edit that out. I think that's perfect. I think it's as good as is, man. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the man, the myth, the legend. Oh God, Scott. I am I am not worthy of any of that. <laughs> anyway, no, I, for the most part, I, I think I, I said my name earlier, but I, I didn't say like where I come from. I I came from a little known podcast called Limp. Uh, yes, you heard that right, uh, the Lethal Injection Minecraft podcast, among uh, like a dozen other podcasts that never came even remotely close to the same amount of attention that that podcast got. So. With that said, though, I am a lifelong wrestling fan. My first wrestling match that I saw uh, on TV, of course, was Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant during WrestleMania 3. My mother was a huge wrestling fan, so I, I got indoctrinated very early on. <laughs> um, in fact, actually, this is going to be a real funny story. My um, The first time that the illusion of my father being an immortal being was broken by The Undertaker. And the reason why I say this is because we were at a live show. We had really good seats, like second from, you know, second from the front row. And earlier in that night, uh, The Undertaker attacked, uh, I think it was Roddy Piper and somebody else. And Roddy Piper was my mother's favorite wrestler. After that attack, later on, The Undertaker had his own match that he came down for. And my dad just screams at him, you fucking asshole, just like yelling at him. The Undertaker stops in front of my dad. And does the slow head turn to meet eyes with my dad. And my my dad was Navy. I mean, he was he was a military guy. He didn't spook easy. He literally went underneath his chair after that to hide from the Undertaker. And by that <laughs> and by that point, I was like, oh <laughs> my my dad isn't immortal. <laughs> so let me ask you, Scott, was that your first show? Your first live yeah. show? That was my first live show. I had to have been like four years old. No, not four years old. That would that wouldn't chronologically connect. Um, that would have been about six or seven years old. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. My my first show was probably around I would say eight to ten. So I'm guessing seven, eight, ten, somewhere in there. And the main event was Hogan versus Earthquake. Wow. Yeah, Hogan versus Earthquake. I remember dustin rhodes versus somebody as the opener uh berserker versus the berserker as the opener we had i think we had carrie von eric there and just to tie us a little bit closer together my mother's favorite wrestler was also roddy roddy piper uh it was a good one he was a good one to be a favorite of there was no one better on the mic than hot rod i, I don't know you got bobby the brain heenan i suppose but they're sort of a different 
calibers, They're a right? different ilk, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, Bobby the Brain Heenan was one of the most classic commentators ever. Like, <laughs> that man was spitting hot fire before spitting hot fire was a thing. If you're going to do, if you're going to do a, uh, a commentator's Mount Rushmore, Heenan and Heyman are probably two of the heads you're going to throw on that. Oh, for sure. I'd put Gorilla Monsoon on there, too. I agree with you. Gorilla should be one of the one of the heads that only leaves one gap. But he just continue. he just seemed like he genuinely loved the product and he loved talking about it. And that was one of the things I loved about Gorilla. He he was still a fan. So you ready to talk about some Royal Rumble action? Yeah, yeah. All right. This uh this show was tagged by one of the uh, the greatest mottos I think I've ever heard through a, a, a video package. Championship junkies fixated on victory. Uh, back when you could still talk about, you know, being a junkie and being fixated like that. This show was live from New Orleans Arena, which is now known as the Smoothie King Center at New Orleans and Louisiana. Uh, this was on January 21st of 2001. There was a quick shot of the WWE New York restaurant back when that was a thing. Uh, the show was brought to you by 1-800-COLLECT. Definitely a part of oh, a bygone dear. era. <laughs> Dear Dad. On commentary, we had Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler. It's actually a toss-up on who is the more racist, or not racist, sexist of the two uh, this evening, and we'll get into that later. Uh, the ring announcer was Howard the Fink Finkel. I marked out so bad when I actually saw the Fink. I was like, oh, I miss him. <laughs> yeah, rest in peace, man. Uh, there was about 17,100 in attendance. And the pay-per-view buy rate worldwide was about 625000 That's not too bad. It did fairly well. Uh, there was a pretty sweet in-house uh, track that they used for this. This was before they started using a lot of like pop culture tracks or rock tracks from other bands. Uh, yeah, they, they, I think they had just started doing that. Uh, mm-hmm. Because uh, I believe, I mean, looking, looking back, I mean, we've both watched this pay-per-view to t- discuss it. Uh, the Undertaker was in his biker gimmick. Oh, right. So, yeah. So, and they did have the Limp Biscuit kicking. So they did Keep start rolling, pulling rolling, in. Rolling, rolling. You know, starting off the show, just, you know, the intro, 15 seconds of pure pyro. Yeah, they only do that for WrestleManias now, too. <laughs> they don't do that yeah. anywhere, anything else. Very, very little pyro anywhere. Uh, I mean, like, Edge got pyro recently, but that's about it. Uh, not counting WrestleMania. Yeah. But there's there's a look and a feel from the Attitude Era, and this pay-per-view was definitely Attitude Era, right at the tail end. And the editing style back then was its own. It was just, it was just something to behold with what limited... I mean, technology's gotten a lot bigger. You know, nowadays we get the graphics and you get the giant snake when Randy Randy Orton comes out. You know, you get the weird, you know, all the all the logos and everything floating in the air. Man, back then, the only creativity they had was with the logo and the uh, the lower thirds in which they're listing the wrestlers' names. Uh, <laughs> there was such an amazing feel of excitement and just, like, the way it was put together was just... It was a whole other persona for wrestling. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's one of the things that I think the Attitude Era got right that they're kind of struggling with now is that... Even with the video packages, you can tell that, yeah, you had Austin and Rocky. We all knew those were the top guys. But you still saw all the other people that were, like, involved in the Rumble and people in the card. That was one of the beautiful things about the Attitude Era is that 
everybody had a place on the card. It it wasn't as mashed up as it you know is now. There there was a lot more focus on everybody, and we'll talk about this later when we get to the video package for the Royal Rumble um, that they played before they actually did the Rumble. But like sure. you, you actually got the sense that anybody can win that damn thing, and that was the best part. They may they can make you believe that Hardcore Holly is going to win the Royal Rumble. Oh yeah, Albert, not so much. No, I don't think anyone thought Albert. <laughs> Good old TNA Albert, man. No, nah, it was post-TNA, Albert. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because Trish left him at this point. Wow. Yeah, that's, <laughs> uh, that's in the Rumble, though. So, yeah. uh, the lead-off match, the Tag Team Championship match, the Dudley Boys versus the champions, Edge and Christian, reeking of awesomeness. Oh, yeah. For the benefit of those with flash photography. Seven seconds. Well, it started out at five seconds, didn't it? And then it slowly kept growing bigger and bigger. Well, I think it's because it well, got it over. Well, seven. I, I don't oh, remember. It did. That was I huge. don't remember. But man, like, it legit got over. And that was one of the things that was awesome about Edge and Christian. They were, they were goofy, but they also knew how to be good in the ring, too. Like, they, they were a comedy act that excelled beyond their comedy. Yeah, and and looking at Edge then in two thousand one compared to now, God, he looks like he's like fifteen. <laughs> yeah, oh, right. He, he looks young, real young. young. I mean, it was twenty years ago. That's the thing. Like, this, you shut your whore mouth. <laughs> this was twenty years ago. We this looked was. a lot different twenty years ago too. Yeah, I I probably had I. I was a lot lighter, to say the least. <laughs> uh, so the big thing to, to talk about with this is that, and this would never happen in today's wrestling, the big story coming into this is that the Dudleys were concussed. Um, they got attacked, uh, I think it was like the week before or the week of, I can't remember specifically, but they uh, were attacked. That Monday by, night, the previous Monday. There you go. Uh, they were attacked by Agent Christian and hit with uh, chairs while, while they were sort of against the wall. So the thought, the thought behind it is that they were essentially concussed by the attack uh the double concerto yes with a little side wall action um but yeah so they mm. <laughs> i don't know why that got me so much but that was good um so the the whole story of this is that the dudleys are essentially dealing with an uphill battle because they're concussed and they're fighting the edging christian for the championships and you can never see a storyline like this now. They would never do it. There's been too much technology and too much research into concussions where they wouldn't even come close. To me, that's a very interesting thing watching this match and even this entire pay-per-view. It's chair shots. Oh, God. So many unprotected chair shots. Yeah, the, the next match would be, definitely be a better talking point about that because, oh, Jesus. Yes. Yeah, but kind of wheeling back here, um, very early on, crowd wanted tables. I mean, it, it was Dudley's thing, man. Very early yeah. on, there, there was already a We Want Tables chant. Either either Dudley walks out, and that's that within three, 30 seconds, you got, you've got you got table chants. Oh, people, yeah. That's what people wanted. Commentary was pushing the concussion angle heavy. I mean, they're, they're, this was literally throughout the entirety of the match. Um commentary was pushing about how the Dudleys are concussed. How can they do this? This is an uphill battle for them. Throughout the match, it kind of felt like 
Devon was selling the concussion fairly well, but Bubba Ray had to be reminded every now and then. Because just randomly, D- Bubba would be like, oh, my head, and then just go back to fighting. Um, yeah, but but it, admittedly, that's kind of the Bubba Ray character, right? He just, there, sometimes this, he just... Was this around the stuttering? Did he stutter around this time? I don't think he, I don't remember him studying in W. W W E. He did very early on, very early on when they brought him on board, they were trying to do the stuttering thing. And then I think somewhere along the lines, like they, they finally decided "Eh, this is probably in poor taste, which is something to be said about, you know, (laughs) about about attitude era WWF. So, um, but no, I, I don't remember if he was still stuttering at this time, but it would be around that area. Um, Reflet. I mean, this uh, this is okay. roughly around when uh, May Young gave birth to the hand. So <laughs> I almost forgot about that. Almost. Oh, I'm never going to let you forget about that, my friend. Really, the first half of this this, this match was a tale of two uh, two stories. I mean, obviously, you had the concussion going in, and it, a lot of it was just building up to that hot tag, right? Um, right. Once that hot tag finally hit, I mean, this match really kicked up a gear. There were some pretty awesome looking spots. Um, obviously, back then, Dudley's was doing the waza. That was that was one of their signature moves. Um, yep. Edge and Christian tried to do their own waza up at one point, uh, and this I think was honestly the spot of the match because it really it, it cracked me up. Um, it, I think it was. Uh, christian that was pinning uh bubba if i remember correctly and then bubba sort of like rotates him around to where essentially he's in that like sit down position with his with his ass sticking out and then edge was on the top rope about ready to do the was up onto bubba but when of course the the rotation came in he's like oh no what do i do and devon just shoves him off the top rope perfectly and hits christian into his own was up basically and <laughs> that was masterful. They were so good at doing like the, the, the those accidental spots like that and selling it so well. When you let guys do what they can do in the ring, you will end up with so many great moments. And that was one. Oh, for sure. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head, too, because I, I, I definitely believe this is one of those scenarios where like WWF was just like, here, just do you. And the guys are like, OK, sure. <laughs> and they did. And it, it looked great. Mm-hmm. After that, uh, we eventually do get the 3D. Did they tease that a co- uh, at least once? I don't remember if it was once or twice. But uh, the 3D, Devon Penn's Edge, and uh, new tag team champions. Yeah, it's funny because I was <laughs> I kept scrubbing back. I, I, I thought Bubba Ray was the legal man. And I don't think I ever saw Bubba actually tag Devon. But now, again, it doesn't matter in the minutiae of things because at the end of the day, we got the feel-good story, right? The Dudleys overcame their concussion uh, (laughs) and they were fine and they were able to win the titles from those dastardly Canadians, Edge and Christian. Those damn Dudleys. Those damn Dudleys, yeah. There you go. Um, and the crowd popped big. I mean, this was a this was a big victory. That that crowd was absolutely into the Dudleys winning the titles. So it was it was a oh, great yeah. great thing. That was a great match to start the pay per view off with. Absolutely. Uh, so Mr. Meltzer rated the match two and three fourth stars, which I felt was a little bit low. That's out of uh five stars. I think he was doing at this time. 
I think that's kind of low. Harrison rolling in his grave, even though he's not even dead. All right. <laughs> um, I I I think Mr. Melser is a little low on that one as well. I would say it's like three three and a quarter right in there. Where where would you settle at? I'm gonna go three and a quarter only because it was it was there was so much energy for it and it start when it's starting off that pay per view. I think had it gone on later on, it wouldn't be as high. I got you. I can agree with that. Yeah, I I would even dare say I, I would have gone with three and a half stars. I think that okay. was going to be my spot. Mainly because of the fact that, again, there was just a bit of creativity that you just don't see in today's wrestling. And I know that, you know, we're sounding like boomers here talking about that a lot. But, um, again, I just don't think that they have that ability to be as creative as these guys were, too. So that that's sort of an issue with the company, not the wrestlers. Well, back in my day, Georgie Animal Steel, he'd grab the turnbuckle and... Oh, my pancreas. Oh, God. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible <laughs> thank you thank you very much uh so uh after that we got a video package saying earlier today drew carey arrived at the venue in a limo probably the first time the man has ever actually been in a limo on the back of a limo anyway not driving it uh, and i popped huge for that why <laughs> because i knew what was coming and my wife had no idea oh she was watching that's with good me. Yeah, yeah, I I sort of had a similar, uh, ooh, this is going to be good sort of mindset too, but I remember back then, because I mean, Drew Carey was big in 2000, like, the, the, the Drew Carey show was one of the most popular uh, sitcoms at the time, I mean, and whose line was it, was it anyway, it was doing very well, so Drew Carey was not like a, a small name at that time, he was a fairly big deal, so it was very interesting to kind of see him sort of in this realm or environment that would not typically cater to a guy like Drew Carey. Uh, Vince McMahon says that in the interest of fairness, Stone Cold will compete in the Royal Rumble as well as Triple H will get his title shot uh, at the title against Kurt Angle. Uh, That'll happen later on tonight. Uh, There was a weird backstage promo between uh, Steph and Triple H. I don't have additional notes on this but i just remember it being awkward because i think it was primarily just steph building up her future rivalry with trish stratus yeah and and only watching this pay-per-view and not really doing a lot of research before and after Mm -hmm. i i vaguely remember that there was something but i didn't remember if this was like around the steph kurt angle thing Steph Kurt Angle Triple H thing, if that was before, or if that was after this. That was before. That, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up, because um, that angle did happen before this point, but WWF was actually trying to kind of scrub that from history, because apparently Triple H told the writing staff that he wouldn't find it believable that Steph would leave him for Kurt Angle. Like, Which legit. is hilarious, because I could totally see that happening. I, I could see that happening, too, personally. <laughs> <laughs> but but Triple H had so much pull at that point in time, you know, for obvious reasons, and that's actually a, the next bullet point. But um, <laughs> he actually got that that whole storyline sort of scrubbed. Yeah, um, but it seems like, it seems like it was. I couldn't tell if it was an issue between Steph and Triple H, like Trish and Triple H, and Steph, or Steph, Tri- uh, Steph, Trish, and Vince, because. Tr- Steph barely mentioned Vince in the whole thing, but it was, I think, because of Vince. Oh, yeah. No, there was that that affair angle going on at the time where Trish was just 
a good friend to Vince McMahon, but it was obviously very insinuated that they were boinking. Um, and again, but wasn't it a wasn't it roughly a year beforehand? Was I mean that was WrestleMania two thousand? That was the four way where there was a McMahon in every corner. Oh yeah, it wasn't right? even a full year. Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't even a whole year. Uh, but you go back to that, and they had the Vincent trish thing going on because that's when linda was in the coma in the wheelchair and trish would push her out to the ring along with vince wow did that angle really go that long i thought that was later than that it must have been sporadic because i can't imagine it was a weekly thing but obviously they had something still going on unless i'm confusing my history and i know there's guys out there who will easily tell me uh could be could be uh the legacy matthew priest uh could be uh bill martell the superstar those guys i know are wrestling historians if they end up hearing this show and they will <laughs> ve- contact me and correct me if that's gone if i've got that wrong i i'm sure they will i don't remember it going that long but i do remember there was a point where uh and again this is another storyline that would never happen today Vince McMahon basically medically induced his wife into a coma so that he could have an affair with Trish Stratus. The Attitude Era was a very strange time. Yes, it was. And and less than a year later, we're here. Yep. Um, so, yes, uh, to, to bring it back, uh, Drew Carey makes a comment about marrying, uh, to Triple H about marrying the boss's daughter uh, and says he doesn't watch doesn't watch wrestling or doesn't yeah. watch the show. Yeah, he blatantly <laughs> says, Yeah, I haven't watched it in a while. <laughs> just, and you just can see it Triple so H look at him like like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, it was it was bad. It was a bad it was a bad comment to make, but I don't think Drew Carey cared. <laughs> the only thing worse, I think, than than that moment was probably this year's WrestleMania when uh Sami Zayn had brought what's his name out, and that guy seemed like he was sleeping the whole time. Oh, Logan Paul, yeah, Logan Paul, yeah. He he's looking down at the ground. He's not paying attention. They kept focusing on him. He ain't even looking at anything. Yeah, like he had taken a bunch of sleeping pills and just kind of slumped over for a while. Didn't even look at the ring. Well, he was there for one spot and one spot only. Exactly. That's all that was. Yeah. and he, he could not care less. And luckily, but... at this point of the show, after this. They move on. Drew Carey leaves. Oh. Steph takes him away. Yeah, to bring him to Trish Stratus's room. To bring him to Trish Stratus's room, if I remember correctly. Right. Giggity, giggity. Yeah. Giggity, goo. But that led us That led us over to uh, the APA and their shirts saying, always pounding ass. All right. <laughs> if there was something that I forgot about about the Attitude Era and the APA, it was that shirt. <laughs> that That shirt... I think it only be explained by just saying Attitude Era. But yeah, Crash Holly comes in, basically says that uh, if they mess with him during the uh, the Royal Rumble, he's going to toss them out. He's going to th- throw them out. Uh, but yeah, they just crack up another beer after Crash Holly has his thing and just kind of laugh it off. Like, yeah, whatever. One of these days, we're going to have to sit down, watch a pay-per-view, and then try to determine how many of the participants are still alive. Oh, no, I don't want to do that. That sounds morbid. You say that, especially especially we just talk about Crash Holly, but leading into this next match, uh, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, it was 
It was the uh, the ladder match for the Intercontinental title uh, featuring Chris Benoit, who was the champion at the time, taking on Chris Jericho. And as we alluded to earlier, as we t- when we talked about unprotected headshots, <laughs> oh my, this match got uncomfortable to watch at times. Yeah. It was brutal. This match was definitely a good example of two people who completely and utterly trust each other to beat the living shit out of each other. And I, I'm, I don't want to curse too much, but I feel like this is one of those moments where you kind of have to. Because <laughs> they absolutely beat the crap out of each other. Uh, it's a bummer that Chris Benoit's actions later in his life overtake everything in his career. Like, knowing what I know now, and then going back and watching this match, I'm just like, both these guys are entirely like wrestling encyclopedias. They could do mm-hmm. anything, and they made everything look good. Um, Benoit's suicide dive out of the ring, where, oh, Jer- the chair shot. where Jericho versus hits him with a chair shot. I watched that like seven times, because as Benoit dives out, I mean, Chris looks like he clocks him in the head. He drops. When that happens, he drops like a rock and, like, comes almost directly in line with the barrier wall to the crowd and drops. Like, yeah, it was, like, perfectly timed, placed, I mean, the perfect amount of slowing down, where he does not actually hit that wall. But he lands millimeters from it. Well, yeah, because he lost all momentum when when that chair hit. I mean, it, it just... He just sank. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was, was, I mean, but it was brilliant. It was a brilliant move uh, that they put that into the match. It wasn't just slumping, it, you know, flying, getting clocked with a chair for the sound and slumping into the wall, like flying into the wall and having that stop you. I mean, they did it perfectly. That was artistry. There's another point that I want to bring up, too. Um, Hit me. They did something in in a ladder match that not a lot of people do. They only really used the one ladder. Like, obviously, they had other... They had, you know, steel steps and everything that they were using in that sense. Sure. But that one ladder went through an entire journey with them. Because, I mean, they did everything from, like, an attempted baseball slide in, into Chris Benoit. He, of course, moves it out of the way and then just chucks Jericho into the steps as as hard as possible. There was also the spot where Jericho actually got Benoit's leg caught in the ladder and then climbs up on the top turnbuckle and just does kind of like a like a backdrop with the ladder landing on top of Benoit as he takes a, you know, a, a back bump. Yeah. And that looked vicious as heck, too. If you're going to watch one of the single matches from this pay-per-view, I damn well say skip the tag team match, even though it's fantastic, and watch this one. If you're looking for technical artistry, there's, you know, obviously it's got other, it's got other stuff too, but this match, I mean, odds are was probably called on the fly for the most part and was just mm-hmm. executed flawlessly. Well, these two have wrestled each other quite a bit by this point, right? Because I think they, they already had matches previously. And then on top of that, they wrestled in ECW, if I remember correctly, the, you know, back when they still had like. Eddie Guerrero. Well, and ECW and, and WCW. Yeah, of course. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they've they been wrestling each other for a long time. Yeah. So I'm sure they're like, oh, all right, let's, let's get back to business. <laughs> that, so they, they probably were comfortable enough to be able to call it in the ring and just get it done. 
and it was amazing. Uh, one of the best spots of the night, uh, both of them are on top of the ladder, and uh, <laughs> Jericho puts Benoit in an octopus hold on top of the ladder, basically arching Benoit's back completely across the top of the ladder. It looked brutal. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it, this is, again, one of those spots where, yeah, you may believe wrestling is fake, and that's just fine. Wrestling is scripted. But that looks like it hurt. I don't care who you are. And it probably did. Oh, yeah. Um, Jerry the King Lawler makes a Wiley Coyote reference, which even feels dated in 2001. Uh, and that, that's going to be another theme of the night, is, is King's commentary regarding some very dated references. I miss King's commentary from back then. I don't want to hear it now, but I loved it back then. Like, the stuff that he was saying back then oh, yeah. was perfect. It was perfect for the time. Now yeah. it's now it's twenty it's twenty years older than it needs to be. So eventually we get on get a we get a beautiful catch into the crippling crossface. Jericho tries to pin Benoit with the ladder. Oh yeah, and, he, and Benoit just muscles that ladder up to dump him out of the ring. That was beautiful. Yes, and push come to shove. Jericho ends up climbing up the ladder, winning the match. The Meltzer rating was four and three quarter stars. Yeah, it's the highest rating that he gave for the night, um, and, and for obvious reasons. I mean, yeah, it was uncomfortable to watch at times, but man, I mean, the, these two definitely knew how to how how to pace a match. There was it, it never felt stale at any point throughout the match. You were always just just eyes glued to the television, your jaw dropped because everything you thought was going to be the highlight of, of that match, they topped it, and they kept topping it. But, Joe, why don't you go ahead? What what would be your rating for the match? It's hard to, to necessarily fit in here because I have to consider how well it did in its placement on the card, considering the mm-hmm. match previous to it was, you know, I rated, what, three, three and a quarter. I, I'm going to say, I, I think that this is probably a four-star match. You know, I was actually going to say four stars as well. Um, I know that's lower than Dave Meltzer's rating. Um, and it's not even necessarily that I don't look at the match with the same amount of praise. I just, I, I was really uncomfortable watching all those unprotected headshots. That was, that was brutal to watch. I wanted it to be um, longer. Okay, I can agree with that too. So, yeah. All right, so we both agree, four stars. Yes. All right, after the match to to tame things down, we got Drew Carey talking to Trish the Dish. Uh, Drew Carey's flirting is probably one of the most awkward things you'll see on WWE television, and that's saying something. Oh, dear God, I thought you were going to say, just leave it at awkward, and I'd be like, you've never seen me flirt. (laughs) That's that's why I said WWE television. Vince McMahon comes in, he seems a little perturbed that Drew Carey is talking to his lady, and decides to uh, book him into the Royal Rumble match. And uh, Drew's like, yeah, what the hell? Why not? Also, I think another fun note, and I didn't put this in the document. Drew Carey, almost at any any moment possible that he could squeeze it in, he either mentions that he's in two television shows or is talking about his big pay-per-view event that's coming up, I think, in, in a week. But that's the only reason he was there. Oh, I know. But, like, he milked it. 
every single possibility. He blatantly asks Vince on help to promote a thing that's happening next week. But at this point, they probably said, oh yeah, Drew, come in, we're going to do this. We're going to help promote your thing. And he's mm-hmm. like, great. And they're like, just come up with it. Just make something up. Because <laughs> I can't imagine with it being that terrible that it was going to, uh, that it was any more than that. There's a uh, a promo later after that about uh, China getting ready for her match against Ivory. Uh, Billy Gunn comes in, seems concerned. This was about the, at the point where China was recovering from a kayfabe neck injury uh, that was suffered to her by Right to Censor, who did a spike pile driver. Billy Gunn, this is at the time where he was the one Billy Gunn. He was no longer Mr. Ass. Oh, man. The one Billy Gunn. The one Billy Gunn. Where he had the finishing move, the one and only, which I barely remember. I know it's kind of started looking like a sleeper hold, but it ended up into a slam. Man, they dropped that name. They dropped Mr. Ass so quickly. For no reason. Yeah, and I don't know why either, because, I mean, I know they were trying to give him a big singles push. But he was known best as being Mr. Ass. Like, he he probably would have fared much better if he would have just stayed as the Ass Man. Yeah, I think, yeah, they had some issues. Regardless about uh, Billy Gunn, I'm going to say one thing uh, about about this match. The promo and video packages leading up to the match were better than the match itself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, I can actually remember, and I guess to catch people up, we're, we're talking about the WWF Women's Championship match between Ivory, who was the champion at the time, uh, facing the challenger, China. I, I watched this pay-per-view live, and I remember when this match came up, and I just, I was so, like, I, I was a big China fan. I legit liked China. I wanted to see her succeed. I remember the ending of this match, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And just being completely and utterly disappointed. Like, just took the air out of the room. Just took the I, air I can understand out why. of the room. As Joe was mentioning, there was a, uh, a pre-match promo kind of showing what happened with uh, China breaking her neck. This was the right-to-censor era of, of, <laughs> of wrestling programming. I actually was a fan of right-to-censor as well. Largely, I was too. I mean... You had Bull Buchanan, Val Venus, The Good Father, Stephen Richards. Honestly, I think this was Stephen Richards' best character work. Like, I honestly believe that as a character, I think Stephen Richards knocked it out of the park. Not TNA's Dr. Stevie? No, Dr. Stevie was... That was family dollar right to censor. (laughs) That was dollar general right to censor. But now it was... Obviously, Ivory's coming down the ring. Uh, Stevie Richards is just, it seems like she's yelling at her. And they never actually catch, like, what he's actually saying to her. But he seems so intent on just screaming in Ivory's ear the entire time as she's making her entrance. And Ivory, being the absolute professional that she is, just stone cold face. Never showing any sort of, like, bother. It was just... (laughs) It, that is one of the goofiest things I saw from this match, outside of the finish. Yeah, there's not a whole lot to talk about, other than, you know, Ivory's shocked as hell when China comes down to the ring. She's, like, freaked out. But it, there's, I don't really feel there's a ton to talk about in this match, other than that ending. The uh, <laughs> the only other thing to note is that JR probably says one of the most sexist fucking things I've heard. I, I, I remember him ever saying in commentary, 
uh, saying that Ivory is sexually repressed and 30 days a month uh, premenstrual. <laughs> Basically insinuating that she's always on her, her, her period. And I, I always remember like Jerry the King Lawler saying some dumb sexist stuff. Uh, and hearing JR say something like this, it's like, wow, that's, but, that's pretty bad. But one thing we know now that we necessarily didn't know, not necessarily knew then, was that Vince McMahon would feed them lines. Yeah, true. I bet that one came right out of Vince's mouth. I don't think Vince would have came up with something that clever. (laughs) Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, I I totally believe it. The sexually repressed thing? Absolutely. I can absolutely... Look at her. She's sexually repressed. Like, I can absolutely And I'm the genetic jackhammer. <laughs> but the 30 days a month premenstrual, that's a JR line. I'm almost certain of that. That had to have come from the mind of JR. Either that or it was fed to him by King earlier. Well, that's possible. All possible. Right, I'll give you that. I'll give you that one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the match itself, I mean, it was just China beating Ivory's ass for a while until all of a sudden she does her handspring uh, elbow thing and collapses. Ivory goes for the pin. We get the super serious uh, JR. Uh, this is this is real life, folks. Uh, you know, she she's just out, out. She's out cold. You can see her arm. And it, it just it was tacky. It was very tacky. I mean, I don't even think, I wouldn't say tacky. I just think there was nothing there that actually fed the drama. So, like, the match, the crowd was dead for this match. And when she does that backspring, she just dropped. Like, yeah. like to the point where I actually, even watching it now, is just like, what the fuck just happened? Well, they were trying to also find ways to make it look like a real injury too because i remember because they replayed that handspring backflip elbow that she does um they replayed it so many times just trying to see oh well you know she might have got a little whiplash here it's like no it's just it was weird i i really like you could tell that the crowd just didn't care and they were chanting sergeant slaughter for god's sake at this point because at that you know sergeant was out there he, that was back when he was sort of an on-screen figure but he was more of a backstage guy Sure. And, and, you know, as hard as they tried to sell the drama, I mean, Kang literally goes into the ring to check on her, to try to get her to say something to her, uh, to him. And and even Kang is, is being super serious about this. And it's just, it was tacky. It was super tacky. Yeah, I, it was a ter- terrible match. I'm saying it's a half star. You know, Dave Meltzer also gives it a half star um, for obvious reasons. They showed I... up. This is a participation award. It didn't work. Whatever they were doing, it did not work. You know what? You sold me. I was initially going to give this zero. I was going to say this was a waste of time. Um, but you know what? You're right. There was at least some participation there, and there there at least was something of some sort. Um, so I'll agree with you. Half star. After that match, we didn't get a whole... I mean, there wasn't a whole... It seemed like they were just trying to get some filler in before they got to the WWF World Title match. Trish and Steph sniped at each other... Drew Carey called Kane a guy, in a, a goofy guy in a mask. Yeah, it was when he was in a locker room uh, getting ready for the Rumble. Right. And then we got to something that I completely forgot about, which was... Ti- oh, you too, huh? Tiger Singh, D'Lo Brown, and... I think it was Chaz. I have it written here as a headbanger because I couldn't remember at the time who it was, but I think it was Chaz. I don't remember who it was. 
I literally, like, looking back, I can't remember. But I don't remember this gimmick at all. I don't remember. Like, as soon as I, I saw D'Lo. I remember it went on for about three months, and do that you? was it. This was, this ring, this rig's right up there with the, the cologne selling, uh, selling trips to Puerto Rico. I mean, this is, um, like, that short. Um, okay. <clears throat> or the Mexicools. Because that wasn't very long the either. The Mexicools was great, though. <laughs> I'm just saying it was <laughs> short. Driving down I'm just saying it was short. That's all I'm saying. I'm not getting attacked You're by correct. anybody who's woke. So, uh... <laughs> D'Lo Tiger Ali. Let me see. I'm actually going to look at... Yes, you are right. It was Chess. Okay. Wasn't he also Beaver Cleavage at one point, too? That I don't know. I because he had a gimmick at one point where it was like this ancestral gimmick where he was in love with his mom, and they did some weird like nineteen thirties style vin- vignettes where like he would have the little beanie with the the helicopter, and I, I swear I remember that character's name. Beaver Cleavage. You're Cleavage. right. You are right. <laughs> Why do I remember that? But I don't remember D'Lo Brown and a. <laughs> a Bollywood style gimmick. Apparently, he was also known as Mother Smucker. <laughs> oh yeah, because he was part of the Flying Nuns. There you go. The, I mean, the only thing that really comes out of the, that segment is the fact that the inst- Tiger Singh was calling Drew Carey Drew Curry, which yeah, that, that poor was taste. hilarious. They they did it so many times, and it was like oh, we we get it. You're you're making the stereotype kind of joke. And it's a bad pun joke all at the same time. Oh, yeah. No, it it was total. Again, this is not a joke that they would say in today's wrestling, but it was still pretty funny. At least in my opinion. (laughs) Uh, Lots of WWF New York fans being uh, interviewed on who they thought would win the Royal Rumble uh, and who would win between Triple H and and Kurt Angle. The whole thing just was kind of more of a uh, please come to New York, uh, WWF New York, please. Yep weird uh promo of triple h looking in a mirror looking very intense um there was also the promos going into the match where triple h says uh you're the champion because i allow it i actually believe that um and then of course a lot of uh steph and trish uh promoting (laughs) being promoted heavier than the title match itself yeah because i mean that was basically the biggest talking point of, of almost all the promos going into this match um, but yeah, so we're, we're at the WWF world title match now with Kurt Angle as the champion going against the challenger Triple H. Um, the biggest thing for me that seemed weird in the beginning is that this was pre you suck. Um, they weren't chanting you suck during Kurt Angle's theme and that, that felt so alien to me. But it was nice. It was refreshing because at that point, Angle, Angle was pretty close to being on top of the world. I mean, oh yeah, that end of the Attitude Era angle was gold. Because wasn't it King of the Ring two thousand or is it two thousand and one, where he went on with Shane McMahon? No, that was two thousand and one. You were right. Yeah, it was two thousand one. So it's that happens later this year, in in WWE timeline that we're reviewing. So yeah, so I mean, angle was gold. Everything he was doing was great. To see him mix, I mean, he, yeah, he went on afterwards and was mixing up with Cena, mixing up with, I mean, then he was mixing up with Taker. 
but in this era where it's Triple H, I mean, you got Triple H, Kurt Angle going against each other, and it's not even the main event of the card. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it was before the Rumble. True. But, I mean, you've got this type of match. You've got him. This is the era where he's mixing it up with Austin. He's mixing it up with The Rock. He's mixing it. I mean, this was like, for him to be have been elevated to this level, you know his work was amazing. And that's, I think we got that between him and Triple H in this match. For sure. For sure. I mean, all, all throughout the match, it was, it was great wrestling. It was just a beautiful, like, backflip and suplexes by Angle. It looked great. Uh, <laughs> JR's call of some unolympic-like right hands uh, as the two fought outside. There, there's a lot of comedy gems there. There was also a weird point where... Uh, JR makes a Buddy Rogers reference and, and King like shuts him down saying, stop talking about that fifties crap. <laughs> that was weird. I, I didn't like that too much, but I mean, obviously that was just how the, how right. the commentary was at that time. Uh, JR, JR does get him back with a sick burn later saying uh, that the, you know, King obviously was involved in man in the, on the moon movie, which was the one between Andy Kaufman right. and, and Jerry, the King Lawler, of course. And he says that only eight people uh, watched that movie. Well, I'm one of them. Yeah, I think I was. Hey, I, I, I saw it. I saw it in the cheap theater. Uh, the beautiful Enziguri by Kurt Angle. Uh, there was a bunch of really nasty uh, spots, like a, a steel step spot. Um, I mean, it, it was just all over the place. And then, of course, uh, to break up all the hot action, you know, there was a point where because Trish was there with Kurt Angle and Steph was there with Triple H. Which I never totally understood why Trish actually would agree to to be in Angle's corner. I think. She was his marketing manager or something like that. Some dumb crap like that. But yeah, ultimately, it, it leads to them. They has catfight. Vince McMahon comes down to break up said catfight. And this lasted forever. Because Vince was involved. Uh, it was like I, I, I honestly, it was the only time throughout the entire pay per view I was, I was ready to start scrubbing through the timeline to get past this point. The only gem that comes out of this is that there's a point where Vince McMahon just hefts Trish Stratus onto his shoulder and starts walking her back, and Steph comes from behind and just yanks Trish down to the point where like both Trish and Vince fall back. That was probably the only gem that came out of that entire thing. After that, it was just nonsense. It completely killed all the action in the ring. Fun fact, uh, that was actually the beginning of that nasty ACL tear he had when he uh, climbed in the ring for that one pay-per-view and couldn't get up, so he just sat in the ring by the orders. <laughs> no um, way. No, 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 no. Obviously, I'm pulling that one out of my ass. But Oh, that would have been funny if that was the case. Well, it's funny that you say that because there was an XFL reference. This was at the time where they were actually pushing XFL. Um, Triple H takes out Kurt Angle uh, from behind his knee, you know, doing that little... Like, yep, chop block. Yeah, and of course, you know, Jerry... Or not Jerry, it was, uh, it was JR. It's J- it had to have been JR. JR, an XFL uh, move going on there. And that was one of two XFL uh, remarks made throughout the night. Um, but no, I mean, there, there was... After that, went right back to the action. There was a beautiful suplex again by Angle that he went into a bridge pin. Only got to two. Um, a razor's edge by Triple H off the top turnbuckle, which I thought was pretty interesting. Hey, yo, he must have had permission. Oh, I mean, yeah. Hey, yo. Had to talk to the bad guy. 
I want to take a moment to actually talk about this. That okay. moonsault by Angle. Perfect. Great elevation. Lands on Triple H just clean. And that was one of three uh, moonsaults he hit in the WWF. And it was gorgeous. I say that Absolutely in just. gorgeous. Every single moonsault Kurt Angle has ever done has been perfection. Whether or not it was supposed to hit its intended target or not, that's an entirely different story. But that man can do a moonsault like a god. It, it was gorgeous. Uh, there, that of probably course, sounded re- a bit wrong the way I said that, but still, I don't care. <laughs> that was an amazing... That, he's got a beautiful moonsault. It's a beautiful moonsault. Of course, there's a ref bump. Uh, there's a nasty-looking arm drag off the top rope by Angle, where Triple H just crashes to the ground, or to the mat. And, of course, uh, there's a point where Triple H actually can hit the pedigree, but, of course, the ref's knocked out. Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! As he runs down, they has fight, he beats up uh, Triple H, gives him the stunner, and uh, the ref will slowly wake up and count to three to have Angle retain. And, once again, beautiful work by Mr. Earl Hebner. With his slow count. I mean, that is a trademark Earl count. <laughs> He's one of the best in the business when it comes to ref and Levitalia. She. <laughs> uh, Mr. Meltzer gave this three and three quarter stars. I I, I noticed a pattern at his, at his star rating for this event. He really liked three quarter stars. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can empathize with that score. I, f- I feel that this match had too many gimmicks. It felt very overbooked, yeah. Agreed. I dare. I I'm gonna say three and a quarter. I'm gonna go back to my. I'll go back and 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 replicate the score from the tag team match earlier. Had they done it a bit more cleanly, and we didn't have to have the Austin interruption, uh, and got a more solid end, a more complete end for those guys, I think that I would have been. I would have rated it higher. But you have the Vince McMahon, Stephanie Trish crap going on. You've got the the ref bump where you have to have Austin come in. Uh, it's a little overbooking, so three and a quarter. So I I docked quite a bit too, but not necessarily because of the Austin interruption. I was okay with the Austin interruption because I felt like it did add just that little extra something to the match. Sure. But when you take the Trish and Steph thing on top of that into account, it did feel a a, a bit overbooked. I, so I completely agree with that. My biggest issue, though, is that when you got a guy like Kurt Angle, who absolutely is just killing it in the ring, doing great work, you're really doing a disservice to Kurt Angle by overbooking the match the way they did. I'm giving it three stars just because I feel like they took way too much away from the match. The match itself was great, but they just took too much away from it. They should not have done that. Yeah, I th- I think with the with the overbooking on some of this, I almost feel the match went on a little too long. Because at I a certain point, at a certain point, it seemed like they were chaining things together to get to the next overbooking. And I agree, the Austin thing needed to happen. We'll get more into that later, or shortly, I should say. And yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I understand it needed to happen, but with all the Vince stuff, yeah, it was just a bit much. Yeah, it definitely agreed. Much, so, 
Uh, we got some hype shots of Rikishi, who earned the number 30 spot beforehand. Um, there was, of course, some uh, some Undertaker action there as well. And then, of course, you can't have a WWE Attitude Era pay-per-view without a rock promo. Um, and then, of course, <laughs> this one gave us the gem that Undertaker wants to tickle Kane's big red nipple. <laughs> You know, I'm sitting there uh, watching this pay-per-view, and I'm enjoying it. Have have a little bit of popcorn, having a cold one, just ch- kicking back, relaxing, enjoying what was one of the best eras, uh, one of the best pay-per-views to lead into the best WrestleMania of all time, I dare say. But yeah, we get these, we get the this classic rock promo. This was oh, it was rock in his prime. I mean, they, rock, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah, rocking his you, prime. You can tell. You could tell in the mannerisms and the way that he talks, the the way that he can just verbally spit out <laughs> the things that he says with ease. This was rock at his most comfortable, and, and you could definitely tell. Oh, that's where I was going with it. Watching this pay per view, enjoying myself, soaking in the Attitude Era, and I'm sitting there watching this with my wife, who had never seen Attitude Era wrestling. <laughs> Other than a match or two, you know, uh, for example, the uh, the the TL for the TLC match that happens at WrestleMania 17, uh, little things like that, a bit here and there. She catches that line out of out of her ear, you know, <laughs> pouring into her ear. Undertaker wants to tickle Kane's big red nipple, and she lost it. She's like, "What the fuck did he just say?" And that I'm like, rock, man. "That's rock. That was That's the rock." rock. You got a reaction. All you had to do was get people's reactions, and that's it. Made them money. Uh, and then, of course, as we alluded to earlier, there was the uh, the hype package going into the two thousand and one Royal Rumble, and this again is just a masterpiece in production. Like it's so great how they sort of interweave all of the current uh, superstars that they had available and, and some of their storylines into it, like the fact that Undertaker and Kane are working together. There is the brothers of destruction at this point in time. And it, it was, you know, Rikishi is now in this, like, you know, he, he ran over stone cold. He's a bad man. Now I did it uh, for the rock, but no, it's just, again, a masterclass in how to hype up everyone involved. I mean, was Crash Holly going to win the Royal Rumble? Did he have potential? They damn near came close to making you feel like he possibly might have, you know, in five years. Uh, (laughs) Rest in peace, Crash. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, but they they really did their best to try and make everybody seem larger than life. Didn't matter who was coming in here. Because let's look at the way this this Rumble starts. Who draws number one and two? Jeff Hardy and Bull Buchanan. Are you telling me that we are supposed to believe that Bill, Bull Buchanan might actually win this? Right to censors, Bull Buchanan. True. It's very important. You know, nine times who, out of... who did not wear his tie, <laughs> which they made a, a joke about in commentary, too. And that's why he didn't win. He did not I, come properly should... attired. He should have wore the tie. There was a weird spot where Bull was trying to, like, bench press Jeff Hardy to throw him over the ropes. You could visibly see him struggling to bench press Jeff Hardy, who at this point is still fairly fit and thin. Like, he's, this is pre-TNA's plumping, (laughs) for lack of better terminology. Um, So So this is pre-TNA meth. Okay, got it. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> Pre-DUIs, yeah. Be, <laughs> no disrespect to Jeff Hardy. He's one of the most yeah, phenomenal yeah, we, wrestlers on the planet. Yeah, we, we do say that in jest. Of course, of course. Um, but they, with with the opening of this Rumble, Jeff Hardy, Bull Buchanan, they're going at it for two minutes. You come very close to what I feel is one of the best draws for one and two ever in a WrestleMania. Or, I mean, in a Royal Rumble. We come close with one and three with Jeff and Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy being number three. The best one ever was when Demolition drew one and two. Yeah, commentary even mentions this at one point too, um, I believe, where they they, they mentioned that that Demolition kind of ran into a similar situation where uh, they were... They were by themselves in the Rumble, and they're not going to sit around and, and just chat. They're going to fight. And uh, the Hardy Boys did the same thing here. They did some sweet double-team action on Bull. Bull gets thrown out. And Hardy's actually put on a fairly good match right there in the middle of the ring during the Rumble. Dumbasses. <laughs> yeah, I know. I agree. I agree, but it is it. Is it. Um, and it's funny, too, because when the countdown starts again, the Hardys uh, suddenly stop fighting and realize, oh, yeah, there's more people coming out. And uh, number four, damn, you got Farouk from APA. Yeah, I, w- I, in- I was going to enjoy watching Farouk in, in the match because, you know, looking back, knowing knowing all the wrestling knowledge that I have attained over the years, I'm like, sweet, I can enjoy some hot Farouk action. Uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, That's the way like, to phrase it. I didn't get to see Ron Simmons win a win a heavyweight championship, right? I didn't get to see. Sure. I want. I'm like ready for Ron Simmons, and this is a long way to being bummed out because before number five comes out, Farouk's eliminated. Yeah, um, he muscles around the Hardys quite a bit, but at the end of the day, they do twist of fate, and it, that goes into a swanton dive combo, and Farouk gets thrown out by the Hardys. Uh, and then the Hardys then continue to fight after taking their shirts off to the delight of the female audience. And it was a big female pop, too. Like you, And that you one guy in the front tell. row. He was oh, that one guy in the front row was... Uh, yeah. He, yeah. he was excited. That's an Attitude Era-style joke. Um, moving on. <laughs> Alrighty, so, number five. Drew Carey. Drew Carey comes out looking like a million bucks... Uh, that's was invested poorly yeah. <laughs> and but you know what drew does one of the smart things uh that a lot of people should learn drew gets in the ring lets the hardies fight doesn't get involved yeah, he spends he spends half the time walking around the ring slapping fives and yeah just yeah. just hanging out just being there drew finally gets in the ring uh drew is surprisingly over with the crowd I mean, there, there's a Drew chant and everything. He, he was, people were stoked to see him there. Hardys end up actually eliminating each other, uh, leaving Drew by himself in the middle of the ring. So we saw the Drew Carey show right there. And as he's proud as punch, happier than a pig in shit, number six. <laughs> yeah, number six is Kane. Pyro goes off, lights go red. Suddenly, the guy in a goofy mask is coming down, looking ready to beat up on Drew. <laughs> yep. <laughs> JR, with the line of the night, says Drew Carey is sweating Crisco. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. Yeah, Kane comes in, puts his, puts his arms over his head, lights the posts. Kane goes for a choke slam. 
Uh, I think he got interrupted at some. Oh no, that was he was interrupted by the next person coming out. Uh, uh, but before that, but before that, um, Drew Carey tries to offer money to Kane, and Kane just straight up smacks it out of Drew Carey's hand, and then of course goes to the choke slam. Number seven is Raven, who I I actually really like his theme. I was I was kind of popped to hear that again. Yeah, uh, but and, Raven. Come- and Raven's the kind of guy who probably would have stopped and just picked up the cash. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Scotty Scotty needs those bills, man. Raven comes out and saves Drew Carey with a kendo stick. We begin to enter the hardcore portion of the Royal Rumble at this point. Raven, of course, hits uh, Kane with a bit more kendo stick action. Drew Carey decides this is the perfect opportunity to bail. Climbs over the top rope and jumps out, eliminating himself from the Royal Rumble. Probably, again, one of the smartest things Drew Carey could have done in that situation. Especially with the hardcore section coming up here. Who comes out, but what does everybody want? Head! <laughs> yep. Al Snow. Good old Al Snow. He brings a lot of a lot of crap into the ring. Trash cans, lids. Bowling uh, ball. Assorted trash, yeah. Hits a, uh, throws a bowling ball bag into Kane. Raven, Raven gets the shot to the nuts with the bowling ball. The uh, 7-10 split, as said on commentary. Again, this also begins the multiple unprotected trash can shots to the head, which all which happened to Kane. It was just, oof. again, it's just so uncomfortable to watch, especially knowing what we know now about concussions and such. What, what I find more amazing is that Kane has never had, you know, Glenn Jacobs has never had a major injury in the WWE or WWF. I know. That's like so he, fascinating. So con- So consistent. I mean, maybe it's because of the breaks they've given him. But it's either that or the padding in that damn mask. Because holy shit. Yeah, you you can hear the impact every time on that trash can. And of course it's aluminum. It's meant to make a lot of noise, right? Right. But, but still, I mean, that is still like, go ahead and hit yourself with an aluminum, aluminum trash can lid and tell me that don't hurt. <laughs> just, just do it. Tell me it doesn't hurt. I promise yeah, you. I, I, it better does. yet, have somebody else who's getting paid money to slam that into your head and let them go crazy. Uh, number nine, Perry Saturn comes out and, and does a bit of innovative offense while the king is drooling over Terry Reynolds. King, you're not alone. <laughs> the, the rig is just completely filled with trash by this point. There is just crap all over the ring i mean that's i think that's a pretty poor thing to say about raven l snow (laughs) but that's not what i meant you know it (laughs) and then we continue it with steve blackman yeah doing doing the only spot that everybody remembers from steve blackman which is he comes out with sticks and swings him around and whips him around i know he's a martial artist don't get me wrong steve blackman to me feels like he was the character that they wanted ken shamrock to be but ken had too oh, much totally. charisma <laughs> ken shamrock meets lance storm you get steve blackman there you go there you go it, it does that's a good it's a good comparison but at least lance storm his charisma was put into being that so there's a lot of hardcore spots with trash can lids. Uh, number 11 is Grandmaster Sexy. He comes down, gets a little hardcore himself with some trash can lid action. And then Kane just proceeds to clear the ring. Not just of weapons, but of people. Does a nasty trash can hit to Grandmaster Sexy that flings him out of the ring. He eliminates Steve Blackman with an unprotected trash can lid shot as well. Just straight up tosses Al Snow out of the ring. Nasty right hand to Raven. He flies out. 
Uh, and then Perry Saturn is also thrown out before number 12, the Honky Tonk Man. <laughs> Way to kill all the momentum of the Royal Rumble by this point. Because Honky is going in pure gimmick mode. <laughs> he is in pure gimmick mode. He basically the fact that he tried to sing it. I know, but yeah. So Honky Mon- Honky Tonk Man basically takes the entire time uh, that he has there to uh, take care of some business. Uh, he begins to sing his entrance theme. Kane has enough. Grabs Honky Tonk's guitar, and Allah Jeff Jarrett just breaks it over Honky Tonk's head. A beautiful guitar spot. They look great. And then Honky uh, is thrown out of the ring by Kane. Big surprise. At number 13, we has The Rock. The Rock comes out. They has fight. Um, this this sort of builds back up. We have left the hardcore portion of the Royal Rumble. The refs is cleaning out all the crap that was left in the ring at this point. Um, but they fight. Uh, number 14 is the God or the Good Father. Sorry, my apologies. Thank my you. Apologies. Rock and Good Father fight. Rock just eliminates him. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's a foregone conclusion. Thank, thanks for coming. He keeps, he keeps going back and forth with Kane. And then we get number 15. We get Taz. Another guy that WWE at this time did not care about. Which sucks, because I love Taz. I, no. I thought Taz was great. Taz had potential. He had too many injuries. Really is what it came That's fair. To. That's absolutely fair. Um, but Taz basically comes into the ring, gets lifted up by his neck by Kane, onto the top turnbuckle, and just right hand chopped right out. There's yeah. a there's a guy with a sign that says my crap is bigger than Taz, which basically accurately sums up how WWF actually felt about Taz at this point. It it was yeah. it was horrible. I don't know if this happened for you too, but did you see this weird video glitch where they replayed the Taz elimination, but there was no commentary over it or anything, or was that just what the Peacock version? I don't know. And because you're commenting on this, I do want to bring up one thing. I meant to bring it up when we were talking about the first match and it's Mm -hmm. going to be very short here you said commentary was silent speaking of silence there's one point they're pre doing the 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 history or the lead up to the the tag title match christian's yelling at the dudleys after they gave him the double concerto shot against the wall Mm -hmm. and he says the ww tag team champions all right edited out the f but they didn't do it for the rest of the damn show. Yeah. Only It, it there. was very inconsistent. It was very inconsistent. It was very awkward. I guess but they yeah, just... But yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't happen to catch that. You're, I, I will probably go back today or to, tonight or tomorrow, and I will look just for that moment. Well, I'm curious if this was a Peacock-only thing, because, again, it felt very awkward. Like, there was no commentary during it, but they, they replayed the uh, elimination, which they haven't done at any point. I don't I don't know. It was weird. Yeah, I'll I'll take a look. Uh number sixteen is Bradshaw. He comes out, he's just throwing haymakers. That boy came in swinging. Oh yeah. He ca- he was go- he was going pretty well. He, you know, ends up giving the clothesline to hell a rock. Yeah, he looked like a million bucks. Much, he was he was looking pretty solid. But then he faded into the background because the ma- number seventeen. Oh you want oh, yeah. you wanna talk about the man, the myth, the legend. It's A-Train himself, Albert. <laughs> yep. Come. What's great is he wasn't wearing a shirt. 
I'm just kidding. Yes, he's a hairy man, but yes, he was wearing a shirt. <laughs> um, yeah, he clocks everybody. Everybody clocks him. Typical um, Royal Rumble action by this. Oh, yeah. Number 18, Hardcore Holly gets in there. Uh, Albert does his Albert bomb onto Bradshaw at this point. Uh, ring is starting to fill up again, starting to feel more like a rumble now. Hardcore Holly and Bradshaw working together to try to get Rock out. Rock holds on. Kane almost out by the Rock later on. And then all of a sudden, at number 19, K-Quick. Getting rowdy. Yeah. <laughs> Get rowdy. I like our truth as a worker overall. Or K-Quick in this instance. It's just the music thing drives me crazy. You you didn't like his theme? I thought it was a forgot treasure. Honestly, I thought it was heavy. I liked it a lot. I will say, so that we can move on, I will say this about the music. It's much better when he does not sing it down to the ring. Because he's never Agreed. on time. Agreed. I can agree with but that. But that's due to acoustics in the theater. Give the man an earpiece. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, K-Quick comes in. Action slows down. Nothing happens. Number 20. Right to censors Val Venus comes out. Val Penis. Yeah, Val Venus and his pal penis comes in and just instantly gets drilled with a spine buster by Kane. Just. Thank you. Just bam, done. Number 21. He's a man. No, <laughs> he, he was beyond that point, thankfully. Uh, William Regal, the European champion, comes out. He fights with K-Quick for a bit. Uh, lots of rumble style action because, again, I mean, this ring is looking full at this point. After that, number 22, Test. Uh, test comes in, gets test. Regal. This is a test. 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 This is a test. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's great about this, Test throws Regal out, and then there's a guy in the in the crowd with a sign, and it says, hey, a England is this way with a big arrow. <laughs> I didn't catch that. That's great. Oh man, I laughed so hard at that. I was like, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. At number 23, Big Show makes his return. Uh, he was sent to OVW for a bit to lose some weight and get a bit more uh, ring work in him. Uh, and, and this was his big return. He comes in, takes out Test and K-Quick pretty quick. No pun intended. Big Show's throwing some choke slams around. JR says it's like a man playing with children. Phrasing, JR. Phrasing. One thing we did miss before Tusk gets eliminated is he did go after Albert, so it was post-TNA. All right, all right, I'll give it to you. I already gave it to you, but I'll give it to you again. That's fine. Uh, Crazy. uh, Double up. Uh, uh, Crazy. (laughs) Massive chokeslam to Kane by Big Show. Uh, The Rock goes downstairs to avoid a chokeslam himself and then eliminates the Big Show while he was a house of fire. After that, Big Show's starting to clear an announce table while number 24, Crash Holly. The camera never shows him, though. I mean, it, the camera does not focus on Crash Holly almost hey, at spark, all. Sparky Plug, man. Sparky Plug. Well, Sparky Plug was Hardcore Holly. Oh, right. I'm sorry. I thought you did say Hardcore. No, this was Crash. You're right. Yeah, this is Crash yeah. Holly. Different Holly. Yeah. Different Holly. Um, but yeah, so... Much. The camera stays basically on Big Show, who's clearing out the announce table, uh, and then proceeds to grab Rock from under the rope, so Rock's not eliminated, and then choke slams him through the announce table, basically knocking him out so he can get kind of some of his wind back. Everyone jumps on Kane, uh, while Bradshaw and Val Venus are holding him down, and then number 25, The Undertaker. 
the American badass himself brought the damn motorcycle down with him. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that later, but that motorcycle became pretty funny to me. <laughs> um, later on, when somebody decided just to drive the fuck off, yeah, yeah, him. Was it him? Yeah, I thought he, it was a. I thought no, it was a stagehand. No, it was him. He was eliminated by that point. We're, we're jumping ahead. Spoilers! Um, spoilers! <laughs> yeah, spoilers for a show from 20 years ago. Hey, um, yeah, yeah, you know. But yeah, Taker comes down, Brothers of Destruction reunited, they control the ring, and people start flying. Bradshaw gets thrown out, Crash Holly, who was barely acknowledged in the match, was thrown out. Uh, Undertaker eliminates Hardcore Holly. I didn't realize that both Hollies were in the ring at the same time, but apparently they were. Um, mm-hmm. Albert gets tossed out. Uh, Val Venus gets tossed out. It just the the ring clears out, and it's just left with Kane and the Undertaker, who then stare at each other down, but never take a swing. No, because they actually then when the countdown starts going, they just turn and look to see who's coming, and it and number twenty six is Scotty Two Hottie doing the best selling work of his entire career. Oh man. That boy looked Looking like he pissed in, himself. <laughs> like, that shock, like, oh shit, I am so I'm screwed. I'm dead. I'm gonna die. <laughs> oh, I hate, I should have never come to work today. He he should have followed Drew Carey's lead. It just eliminated himself. But no, nonetheless, he gets in the ring, double choke slam onto Scotty Too Hotty, and is mercifully eliminated. Yeah. Uh, Rock stirs, he jumps in there and uh, starts fighting brothers for a little bit. And then number 27, Stone Cold! The glass breaks and Stone Cold heads to the ring, gets attacked by Ha 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 before he even <laughs> enters in the ring. That's a, that's a new way to call Triple H something, or a new nickname for him, I should say. Oh, that um, was a classic one around our, our, our neck of the woods. Really? But, I've never heard oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he uh, beats the shit out of Austin, splits his head hard way, almost looks like... yeah. I, the, Austin had some great color. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. He was red. He had a crimson mask going, without a doubt. And that just entirely helped sell the entire story they had building right here. Yeah, meanwhile in the ring, the brothers are uh, double-teaming on the rack. Uh, they're just kicking his ass a giggity, bit. giggity giggity goo while number 28, the one, Billy Gunn, he's trying to fight off the brothers. Uh, officials finally are pulling Triple H away from Stone Cold, who is bloody. Absolutely bloody by this point. Uh, but the brothers, again, take control. They're beating on Billy Gunn. They're beating on The Rock. Uh, Rock, Rock at this point, I, I noted this because I thought it was hilarious. Rock is overselling like crazy. He absolutely went to sh- the the Shawn Michaels school of overselling by this point because he's flopping around the. Street. Rock could sell amazingly. I mean, there's been interviews with Stone Cold. He says every time I gave Austin, uh, I gave Rock a stunner. He's like half the time in the ring, I'm yelling at him afterwards. As as soon as I hit it, because he's still flopping around like I would have hit him with a bus. <laughs> yeah. Number 29, Haku, which is making his big comeback. We haven't seen him in a long time. He was actually uh, in WCW for a while. The crowd was so dead for Haku, and I'm sitting at home, even, you know, the other day, and I'm like, oh my god, it's fucking Haku! 
That because if you know the stories about Haku, that man is one of the toughest men to ever exist. He is a legit badass, without a doubt, and the crowd could not care less. And that that was very disappointing to me. I know I personally marked out a bit for Haku coming out. I thought it was a big deal, but it is what it is. Knowing nothing, if even if you knew nothing about the man, you got to mark out for the hair. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. man. Um, Amazing. Haku comes in. He's a house of fire for a while. Uh, there's a shot of Stone Cold who is just, I mean, you could see all the blood on the ground that's seeping from his face. It's just it's, it's gross looking really bad. Uh, Brothers slow Haku down with some double team action. Uh, the Rock stops Billy Gunn from eliminating Kane, which that blew my mind. It's like you, you, <laughs> you see Undertaker and Kane who have just been dominating this match since they both came out and you stop somebody from eliminating one of those guys. That's that one moment, of those moments. That yeah. Crazy. One of those moments where you're like, okay, they didn't book that right, but you knew yeah. uh, so Kane had to stay. We still didn't see his little red nipples. No, we didn't see undertaker tickle the red nipple. Ah, um, right, right. <laughs> Number 30, which was not a surprise, is Rikishi. And of course, as we mentioned before, he already uh, won that 30 spot. Uh, he comes down and tries to beat up on a uh, a broken Stone Cold. Uh, but all of a sudden, Stone Cold just comes to life and starts just throwing some haymakers at Rikishi. Uh, so I, I imagine Rikishi kind of uh, <laughs> regretted his decision there. So Big Kish, but he attacks Austin outside the ring. Yeah, he doesn't get to the ring yet. This is literally at the entrance ramp because they show uh, Stone Cold using sort of the guardrail to walk over to the ring. And then Rikishi's just like, oh, okay, I'm going to hit you while while you're like this. Stone Cold, just like I said, he just came to life. So Stone Cold gets in. Stone Cold eliminates Haku with a clothesline. So I, I do, and I don't know why I didn't note this. I thought it was very interesting. There is a point where Haku is, uh, is still in the ring, and Undertaker and Haku are trading headbutts. And Undertaker sells it like a champ, because he's the one that's headbutting Haku, but he's selling the damage, because obviously it's Haku. You don't headbutt Haku. <laughs> it's just not what you do. And the funny um, part is, there's so much padding with all that hair, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. Yeah, but no, he sells it as if he head-butted titanium itself. But yeah, so Stone Cold eliminated Haku with a clothesline over the top rope. Undertaker choke slams Rikishi. Uh, Undertaker gets eliminated by uh, Rikishi with a super kick. And that's uh, that's the point where Undertaker gets on his bike and just drives it back. Because, you know, it's there. You might as well use it. Yeah, better drive it home. So there's a Famouser by Billy Gunn to Stone Cold. Um... <laughs> And then in an unfortunate turn of events, as uh, Billy Gunn's trying to throw Stone Cold out, he reverses it and throws Billy Gunn over the top rope. There Again, there's just a gnarly shot of, of Stone Cold's face while he's bloody in this beautiful moment where Rock and Stone Cold lock eyes. From across the ring, opposite corners. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, this is the time. This is when these two are going to fight. and And they're just... They they has fight. They they begin to reverse each other's finishers a bit. Rock gets hit with a stunner and of course goes flying. Kane kind of stirs back to life. He gets hit by a Luthez press uh, and a low blow for good measure. Uh, there's a rock bottom onto Austin. 
there, there's a moment where Rock and Stone Cold are trying to eliminate each other. Kane comes up from behind, tries to eliminate them both. Rock goes out, but not Stone Cold. He's able to catch himself, get back in. Austin hits a, a low blow, which is on commentary called an XFL-like punt. Again, pushing XFL here. To, to Kane's little red machines. Poor Glenn. Kane grabs a chair from the outside. There were a number of times guys did not go th- over the top rope, go out to get a weapon, or go out and you know, and then come back in. There was a lot of that going on in this rumble, which was surprising to me. Yeah, it, it definitely felt like they were trying to really c- keep the drama both in and out of the ring, which is not typical for rumbles. But again, I think when you start adding a lot of the hardcore element, and this was really when WWF was trying to uh, do a lot more of the, the, the hardcore style of wrestling, uh, it wasn't terribly surprising that they were doing stuff like that. There, uh, There's a point where Kane grabs the chair, Kane, uh, Kane gets hit by a stunner, Austin grabs the chair and then begins to hit Kane again with some nasty unprotected shots, and then clotheslines him over the top rope to win. Your winner of the 2001 Royal Rumble, Stone Cold! Stone Cold! I'm not going to do it three times again, but yes, Stone yeah. Cold. If it's anything like Candyman, he's going to ro- show up in your in your home, give you throw you a beer, kick you in the gut, give you a stunner, and he's going to walk off. DTA and- sunmates don't trust anybody! <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> now we're degrading because it's late. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this this Royal Rumble, you know, puts Austin going into the main event at WrestleMania. WrestleMania X7, one of one of if not the best rated WrestleMania of all time. Uh, Meltzer rated this at three and a quarter stars. I'm going four, uh, dude. You say- yeah, I'm going four. You know what? I was feeling four too. I think we're pretty much on the same page with a lot of this stuff, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, I'm going four stars as well. It was very, it was very well done. They, even the guys you didn't expect, everybody got a bid in. Everybody got a spot in, except for like Farouk. Well, I mean, or Crash Holly. <laughs> Crash, yeah, I mean, there was only a couple of guys who were in and out. I mean, even Honky Tonk. Did he eliminate anybody? No. Did he show his in-ring work? No. But he came in and he got his spot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at, before I sort of had the conversation with uh, my friends regarding... Uh, what pay-per-view to start with. A lot of the times that I've ever heard anything about this Rumble, it was always about, oh, that's, that's the one with Drew Carey in it. And it was never, like, a, a positive thing. But when I talked to my friends, like, this was known as the, the shining moment for Kane. Kane came in and just looked dominating. Looked fantastic. There was a lot more to the show than what I think a lot of people a lot of people remember. I mean, again, the Chris Benoit versus... Uh, Chris Jericho match. You're you're not going to hear WWE talk about this much anymore because of who's involved, right? But that is that is a classic right there. That, that was hot Chris on Chris action. That was just that, amazing. <laughs> that, that's a way to put it. So if you have a wrestling pay per view that you would like to suggest to us for us to watch and review, uh, we do have some socials. We are on Twitter at twitter.com/fingerpokeofdoom. You're also on the Facebook at facebook.com slash Doom, and you can find all of our episodes over at fingerpokeofdoom.com. I still can't believe that was made available. Uh, thank you, Joe, for get- snagging that when you did. <laughs> hey, do what I can. I do what I can. Any final words before we wrap up, Joe? 
what is there to say? I am looking forward to sitting down and reviewing more wrestling with you, Scott. Uh, more shows. Taking a deep dive look at a lot of this stuff. Yeah, I can't wait to see what people are going to suggest next. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Because are, uh, well, are they going to go for another good pay-per-view, or are they going to go, okay, now go to the bottom of the barrel? I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, obviously, this was our first episode, so please forgive us if we got a little rambly there. Um, we will, of course, refine our uh, our topics a bit as we proceed forward. But thank you very much for joining us, guys. I had a blast. I can't wait to review more pay-per-views with you, Joe. And we'll see you next time. Looking forward to it, brother. Everybody, have a nice night. Peace.